week on the Koshcast. It's the final day of the Premier League. As City reach a century, Arsene departs eventually. Liverpool secure top four as it was meant to be. Who would have predicted United winning sensibly? Spurs and Leicester lose their minds defensively, and Chelsea don't care, ostensibly. We'll look back over a cracker of a season, look ahead to the Champions League final, and revel in the company as we're joined by TSN's Christian Jack. Get on board. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. Roche is here. Hey. And joining us today, a very special guest, Christian Jack of TSN. How are you? Uh, I'm great. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Stephen Caldwell gave, uh, gave us a good recommendation. Rave so. reviews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure most of our listeners will have heard of you, seen you on TV. In case anyone hasn't, um, when did you come to Canada and how did you get involved in, in covering soccer here? Uh, I've lived in Canada now for, I guess, over 17 years. I covered um, the sport in England. I graduated as a journalism degree and worked in the in newspaper industry for a newspaper called Lancashire Union Post. So covered teams in the Northwest, which were predominantly lower league teams at that point. David Moises Preston and so so on and so forth. Then I moved to Canada in uh, 2000 and uh, basically tried to work my way into the sports media industry. At that point, it wasn't that easy right away, but then worked at the score for, nice. ten, yeah. for 10 years, which was uh, like the third TV company, I guess, that, that existed at that point against TSN and, and Sportsnet. And we did um, the shows like Sports World and, and the Footy Show. So I covered the the game for them and produce shows for them and then found some stuff on air and then I've been at TSN and just today I guess completed the fifth Premier League season with TSN amazing, amazing. Can, can, can we just say like so around the time that three well four of us if Mohamed was here came to Canada the score was pretty much the place you went to watch football yeah. you know I don't I think Sportsnet maybe had a little bit but you had Syria on, on the score and yeah. then the footy show as well and you had this tactics corner thing. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember what it was called but they, you did they, that. They, they named me, it wasn't self <laughs> they named me the formation geek. That's what the segment was. It was yeah. better than Andy Townsend's tactics <laughs> truck on ITV. So you lost me at Andy Townsend. <laughs> well, it, and like, I can say that as a former Villa captain. <laughs> It was, it's interesting like to, to have you here it's, it's, it's a great pleasure because we like literally stepped out the plane watched the football and it's KJ and, and, and James Sharman on, it's on, great on to hear thank you absolutely no it's a pleasure to do it it was uh, as you mentioned we had the Premier League for a little bit we lost that and then it was like how do we get back in football and we embraced having the Serie A for, for a few seasons and that was great and we did the World Cup Tonight show in 2010 mm-hmm. and then and then Copa America as well. So we always were fighting that little battle against the two big powers. But, yeah. And in the end, you know, the, the Score TV network was no more. And thankfully, James is doing his great stuff on Sportsnet and I continue to do stuff at TSN. Yeah, yeah it's good. And the, the Score now has some, it's a different format, but it has some good writers. We have a couple yeah. that, oh, that come great. on the pod. And, I've got yeah. a few friends over there. They do, yeah. they do a great job. Exactly. So it all worked out, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's start with the Premier League. Uh, let's go with Liverpool. 4-0 against Brighton. They had to win to uh, secure top four if, if Chelsea were to do anything, uh, which they didn't. But nonetheless, Liverpool had to, had to secure top four um, because we were thinking about this midweek and what an incredible end to the season it would have been had Liverpool lost out on top four and then gone on to lose the Champions League final. <laughs> I mean, it's just... That was just a thought. That was com- a thought. Comedy gold. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to happen that way, though. <laughs> no. Liverpool have been very tidy, and they've finished the season strong, and uh, I think they're flying going into the Champions League final. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chris and you were watching this in the studio. Yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, all in all, it was pretty... I think Klopp tried to play it up, didn't he, before the game. You know, Brighton were really good in the last couple of games, and this won't be an easy game for us, and I think he was saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. As, as he didn't want. I don't think he wanted the atmosphere at Anfield to be... You know, almost a party atmosphere before the game even kicked off. I mm-hmm. think I said on the show though, I, I felt that you know we could sit here for an hour, the whole show talking about what Klopp's done to Liverpool to improve them. One of the things for me is that they just don't lose games like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they used to be you know Palace and Swansea last year, for example. You know, those kind of teams would come into into Anfield and and really give them a go. You mm-hmm. know, and, and they felt like Liverpool were vulnerable. And it almost feels like that whole shift that defensively Liverpool are always going to give you an opportunity that storyline's almost disappeared during mm. this massive run with all those goal scorers as well so I mean I mean Brighton have, they've 
didn't have anything to fight for. So all in all, it was a little bit like last year. Liverpool had to do something last year on the last yeah. day of the season against Middlesbrough, and they mm. did that then, and, and they did it again today. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of this transformation that we've seen in Liverpool has literally happened in the last two, three months. Because um, after they beat City, they then went on to lose against West Brom in the FA Cup. Swansea, right after. Oh, Swansea? Yeah. Oh, well, they lost one of those games. And, and, uh, and they lost both, people. yeah. They yeah. lost to West Brom in the Cup as well. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people were upset, and they were phoning in and saying, it's no better than Brendan, it's bullshit, it's this, that. They are calling you? Like, well, no. <laughs> no. I mean, I would change my number if that were the case. <laughs> Because I don't want to knock off Liverpool fans anyway. <laughs> but it was it was just unbelievable that people just they were really upset. And I f- and after a while he started to pick it up. And I think as the Champions League campaign really started to gather pace, that was when people really became firm believers in this Jurgen Klopp philosophy at Liverpool. Well, two two things for me. One is that I was proven wrong about not about Van Dijk as to whether he was a good player or not, but I wasn't convinced that a person was going to make the, def- the, the defence a lot better. Mm. I thought it was more of a, a system problem and, and possibly a, a kind of club blind spot. Um, but Van Dijk stepped in and their defence did improve dramatically. Like, as you said, the, the Liverpool that give you a chance, especially at home, just doesn't exist anymore. They yeah. just blow you away. And now when if I look at a fixture list and it's Liverpool at home, win. It's a win. I don't no think one stands a chance at Anfield yet. right now. I don't think it's there yet. Because we saw, like, for example, the Roma game. They completely capitulated yeah. in, in at home the first leg, which could have made it very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, you see a little bit of that, and I, and I feel like if Lovren isn't is in the defense, you still have a problem. I think he wants Matip and Van Dijk as his first two of the players that he has available, and then you'll see the best Liverpool defense for them. I, I think that you're both right in, in regards. I, look, I think Van Dijk is... Made a, made a difference but I think we're only seeing the beginning of it I think that they need a full season together again I, I the one thing I would say is I still think Lovren's a little, better, a little bit better than Matip but what I mean in terms of the, I think that you bang on I think that you always feel like he's vulnerable and I think mm-hmm. when I think Real Madrid will look at him for example and say that's a weakness that we can get at but the whole team defensively has improved a mm-hmm. lot under him they're nowhere near the level that they need to be if they want to contend for next year's Premier League by the way but Naby Keita will certainly be a massive help with that as well oh so. you don't think so you don't think they're going to challenge for the league no I, no, I think they need to get better defensively if okay. they're going to challenge for the league okay. still but I think that Keita will definitely help for that but yeah I think they're a genuine contender next year I really believe that yeah no they've, had, they've got a strong attack they've got 80 goals this season 84 after today and you know a top four finish Champions League final I feel like they're growing under Klopp we talked about their defense improving so I, I think that they might be up there at least for you know top three minimum mm. I, the problem is when, when you talk about will they be able to challenge for the league is that they're 25 points behind City mm. City have been unbelievable and it's hard right now to imagine City being much worse next season and so like that is a massive gap it, it's for, a big for, gap but so Liverpool have had, a, have had a wonderful season and they're still not even close but but they are better than City on the day. They knocked them out of the Champions League. They beat them in the league. They know how to beat City, yeah. for sure. I, I, I think it, the gap doesn't close by that much. I think they, they, they're not going to be 25 points behind next season. I don't believe that. I think they will get closer. But just to, to Alex's point, I don't think there will be a title challenge involving Liverpool, if you know what I mean. Well, a lot of these discussions come down to, you know, what's the level of the, of the team who, live, who wins the league? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you exactly. know, what, you know, I think when Leicester won it, the second team Tottenham, I think they had 70 points. So now we're talking about the 75 points getting fourth. So a lot of it comes down to what's the rest of the league. And yep. the rest of the league, the, the top six are taking a lot more points than they've ever taken off the other, off the other teams. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at it, could Liverpool, they got 76 last year, they got 75 now, could they get 83, 84 next year? I think they could. Mm-hmm. Could you turn that that's a three-game swing? Yeah. Manchester City are not going to get 100 points again. That next season, it's not for me. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they'll go out and spend more money. Mendy will play more games. You can argue they'll be better, but they're not going to win 30, 32 games out of thirty-eight mm-hmm. and get a hundred points I, I, off, I off, off a World Cup where they've maximised. They've pushed these players to the, to a level that they can't play that many minutes again next season. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. there'll be a little bit of a dip. Do you think that? I mean, let's let's take that opportunity to move on to City. Well, well, well um, hold on, sorry. Before we do that, uh, yeah. Salah just broke the record for top. Goals scored by yeah. anybody in the Premier League. I know. So we haven't it's talked just, about we him. We talk about him every week. It's a, yeah, yeah but no, you're right. Mohamed will kill us if we don't. <laughs> That's so true. Mohamed, the fourth, he's Egyptian, so we, right. we have to do this. I thought you yeah. meant Mo himself. I thought you meant Mo himself. I've already heard that Liverpool fans call you, and now I thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought Mo might give you a call tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
No, that's true. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Roche, you were, you were talking about the comparisons with the Suarez Yeah, season. so Liverpool have always had that one explosive player randomly show up in their lineup. You know, it was Torres, <laughs> then it was Suarez, and Suarez for me was probably the most explosive before Salah showed up. Yeah. And so I was discussing with Alex, I said, you know, Suarez I think had a more explosive season because he was banned for the first five games and still went to score 31. Mm-hmm. So he had 31 and 33 in the league, and Salah yeah. has 32 and 36. Yeah. So they're very comparable, but for me, I think Suarez is the guy. They're very different players, though, aren't they? That's the thing. I mean, Suarez, I think, didn't have as good a team around him that that Salah has. I mean, Salah's got Firmino and and Mane and and an explosive trio where, you know, I think the the, the team that you could argue the team that almost won the league, even though they got closer to win the Mm -hmm. league, I don't think was as talented as this Liverpool team. And I know this Liverpool team didn't get anywhere near to win the league, but that's because of obviously the Goliaths of Man City. So Suarez, you know, I'd never take anything away from him, but you know, he's a he's a penalty box reference point. You know, oh, yeah. Mo Salah is like he's exploding from the halfway line. He's it's all about the transition game now. They've he's, they've modelled that game around what they've got, and 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 you know, to have the opportunity to play with, with someone like Roberto Firmino every week, I think yeah, you, you, you're just yeah. gonna you, oh, yeah. your game and your old your overall game and your IQ level is just gonna go off the charts. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I think they're both amazing. I think Salah's done some exceptional things. Better better team around him. But Suarez, I was I was more scared scared of him. He made me feel more. It might, might just be his face. Or his bites. Everyone's scared of him. Suarez dragged Liverpool through a lot of games. Like, literally, it was as if he was just dragging them along. Where Salah is, I don't think he's dragging Liverpool. I think, like you said, Liverpool is a good functional team with yeah. good pieces around that he'll score the first, score the fourth, score the... Like, it, things, team movements happen, but there were so—I mean, there were so many goals that Suarez scored, like one of the, from forty yards against Norwich, and just outstanding <laughs> things out the box. Individual brilliance, exactly. Yeah. Goals are nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. And they had one hundred and one goals that season. They did, yeah. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In well, the Premier League, yeah. they were all got like, like, a, a lot, yeah. and Sterling got double figures, and yeah, it was. Oh wait, what's the record for goals? Uh, City, 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 yeah, one hundred and five. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Can we move on to City? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, actually, you actually, can tell your friend Salah we've moved on. <laughs> yeah. although, although we do think that he might drag Egypt to a uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, we're putting some money. You on do that. put yeah. some money on that. Oh wow! Second round for me. Quarterfinal. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm putting money on it. Yeah. Because it's going to be a good bet. Yeah. I'm a little unsure they're going to get. I'm not sure they're going to get through the group. Really? Who's yeah. in their group again? Saudi Arabia. You're Russia. Russia. Yeah. See, Russia oh, are no, terrible. That's so they're not that bad, actually. No, I think, I think they'll get out of that. The Russia are not as bad as you think. And they're at home. So you're going to go against history. Because only one team, and that was the awful South African team in 2010, who's hosted the World Cup, mm. never got out of the group. I, t- I tell you what, the, the reason I might agree with you is because I don't trust Russia not to fix it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've gone there! <laughs> say it loud, say it loud. Right. Just put, say what everybody's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's very <laughs> admirable. Maybe we'll put money on that. <laughs> um, all right. Manchester City. Um, so let, let's talk about some records here. So... 18 consecutive wins, which is the most ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, most goals with 105 or 106. You, you think After it might today, be? yeah. Okay. Most passes completed in a Premier League game, 904. Most, <laughs> most wins in a season, 32. Most away wins, 16. Most points, 100. And biggest goal difference of plus 79. It has been a ridiculous season for yeah. City. Yeah, it's been fun to watch and cover for me. You know, to see them go to that next level that I think the storyline, you can't tell it without personally thinking about that Everton loss last season when mm. everybody wanted to cut Guardiola and, and say it's time for you to change everything around now and and you know you can't play this way in the Premier League anymore and I think that's part of the storyline and it's easy to look at that but the other thing too is that Guardiola's Manchester City year one is drastically different when you look at the players to Guardiola's Manchester City mm-hmm. year two and when we look back if this does turn out to be an era of greatness this year will be year one rather than year two because mm-hmm. it's just so dramatically different. Well, we... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, you're absolutely right. I actually called for Guardiola's head. <laughs> like um, his head? Yeah. You wanted him fired? I wanted it in a box. <laughs> um, Amazon Prime. Not, not really, but... Did you I, want it, but you wanted him fired? I did, I did. And I said, uh, you know, maybe unceremoniously so, but I did say that he would be sacked by Christmas. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah, mostly wanted him to be sacked. But he did well. I mean, he's he's probably had the best season any manager has had in the Premier League ever. I mean, what to to the point about year one and year two? We talked about how it was weird that City, the the kind of front office, did not 
prepare the squad yes. for Guardiola. Like they knew three years in advance that that was the plan to get him in. They brought in you know, Bigirstein, Soriano, and Guardiola, and they finally got their man, and they had this squad full of players that you knew would not be able to play exactly the way he wanted. Mm-hmm. Started the season with Clichy and Zabaleta, and oh, you knew that massive changes had to be made, and it was bizarre that that wasn't done. And so people talk about last summer and how much City spent. And I was like, well, they had to, because to play that football, they couldn't do it with the squad that, that had been given to Guardiola. Yeah, and not only players who suited Guardiola, but for the right age mm-hmm. as well. Because, you know, the players you mentioned, they didn't, not only didn't fit Guardiola's template, but they were way gone. Mm-hmm. You know, the way. That's the problem in sports, though, sometimes. It's when, they, when you've had a successful era, is, is how to get rid of those players. Yep. And, you know, the great Liverpool teams, the great Manchester United teams always found a way, I thought, to get rid of a player maybe one year too early and it's better to do that than get rid of a player mm-hmm. one year too late yeah. you know and that's what sometimes it's the issue and then even Yaya Torre like he didn't belong in this team this year but they were never nobody in football was going to give him the wages that he was on similar to the other players that he had to move on last year mm-hmm. so sometimes you just have to say okay we're stuck with these players and now you've shredded a lot more wages and then you know I think the fear is for a lot of teams in the Premier League that they're probably going to go out and spend another 150 to 200 million on three three big players again. Yeah, I was. I, we we were all surprised last season. Guardiola came in and didn't didn't have the the mass clear up that I think I think most people before he showed up said that's what they, that's what needs to happen and it didn't happen. Some would say he was assessing his squad ahead of ahead of the, the season and all that. But I felt you cannot make Bakary Sanya do what you want him to do. You cannot make Clichy do those things either. To me, it was obvious, and for me, the the mistake that he made was not making these changes that he made this season when he first came in. Because he he's done those things at, at Bayern Munich where he came in, changed the squad to fit him, and all sorts of things like that. So I, I, was, I was suspicious of why he didn't do that. But this season overhauled everything. And like you said, look at the numbers. They speak for themselves. Yeah, yeah. and uh, to Bernie's point, I want to add that what he's done with Raheem Sterling is not only good for City and Sterling, but it's also good for England coming into this World Cup because ah, now <laughs> every English ah, fan deep down inside is going to think well ah, Sterling is going to bring something else to England no I think you're right I think when you look at the England team and the and the youth of the team and you know expectations are another thing that are always that are always out of whack but the the big players for them now are working under genuine world-class managers. That's true. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Pochettino, it doesn't matter whether it's Mourinho, it doesn't matter whether it's Klopp, it doesn't matter whether it's Guardiola. Week in, week out, day in, day out, they're working under them. And that's bound to have a big development in their, in their game. And whether they can equate that and play that like way when they wear white in the summer is another question mark. But long-term, that, that can't, they can't do anything but help them. Yeah, yeah, especially with Garrett Southgate at the helm. I, I actually like him a lot. Southgate? Yeah. Big fan of Southgate. I, I, really? I, he's interesting. He's weird. Very weird. Because I don't know why Livermore made that squad at all. Like the squads he made. Like that options. doesn't make sense to me. Like of options. Okay. Wait, have you seen the players who could be played for England in midfield? You might get a game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to get the call. I don't know if you've got a passport. <laughs> you haven't seen Alex definitely, definitely has a passport. Sign you up. If you can play midfield, like like if, you're, like, if, you, if you're genuinely an English midfielder who plays in the Premier League, right. like you've got a shot at making the win. I'm getting calls from Liverpool fans a lot and now and Southgate. Southgate. You mentioned Tom Huddleston earlier. I can't remember the context, but I was like, oh yeah, Tom Huddleston. Someone made a mistake in the lesser game for right. Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, it looked like Tom Huddleston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was Wanyama, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just wondering what he's up to. Yeah, yeah. that's anyway. what I mean. See, that's yeah. the depth of... The, the yeah, have it, it, is, it is poor. But yeah. Shelby, though. Well, like, better, at least Shelby or Livermore, at least. But that's I think that's me being picky. Yeah. But like you're really not winning an argument. <laughs> 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 you're not selling me on any genuine talent I here. Agree, you know I what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the problem that they have, I think. Anyway, it just has to be someone that can kick Dembele in the first five minutes against Belgium and then move on. Put your foot through it, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, so that's, that's City. Unbelievable. Actually, one, one more question I'll ask you about City. Um, and we asked this to um, Dan Rouse at, at the score, who is a City fan. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he got an objective answer from Dan. Well, <laughs> and I can say that because I know him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here's the question. Where do you think City need to strengthen? I think if they buy three new players, I think they need a new centre-back. Okay. I think they need a, a, a central midfielder who can definitely give Fernandinho less minutes. Yep. Someone like Fred from Shakhtar Donetsk, for example, would be, I think, a brilliant signing for them. And I think they're going to sign another striker. I don't know who that might oh. be yet. But I think that they've seen that Gabriel Jesus is the number one going forward. And I think that maybe we have another year of Aguero. But they 
tend to do things in advance and I don't think they'd want to remove Aguero and then bring somebody in the mm-hmm. same summer so I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got somebody else to play in that position as well so yeah, that that, that for me are the areas you look at centre-back I think Laporte will, will one day become their best central defender I'm a magnificent fan I've seen a lot of him play in Spain and I don't think English football has seen the best of him yet Stones had an up and down year the January injury cost him a little bit Otamendi is on the wrong side of his age and company he still can't rely on to play 10 games but you, you, so you, you think another centre-back should should come in I think they need another one yeah. okay. so a star centre-back and two squad players well no I mean I don't know whether it needs to be a star but I think it needs to be somebody who can play 10 to 15 Premier League games a season in all of those three positions okay. you know and I think you know whoever that may be it's centre-back yeah. defensive midfielder and there's a lot player. of money to keep piling on but, on but that they, defense. But you know what they have it they have it you know they'll have it and he's already said it he's already said they're going to spend it again the thing for me is this is that the lesson to be learned from Premier League champions is this Chelsea and Leicester they when you add up their starting 11 and the amount of appearances they played during the season combined and, and if you do over if they play every game it's 380 the mm-hmm. number they're over 300 and, and they were exhausted the following year. They didn't, mm-hmm. have enough, didn't have a big enough squad. And Man City have pushed that limit again. Mm-hmm. Play, the, the best players have almost played every single game. And, like you said, and that World can't Cup go on. Well. World Cup coming on, that can't go on. You've got to be able to get competition for places. And David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne next year, in an ideal world, I think we'll be starting 30, not 37 mm-hmm. Premier League games. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. They kept all of them fit, for the most part. Not Pretty much. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. They don't do a lot of running because they got the ball. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> <laughs> imagine playing against that team. That's no, the I, I don't want to imagine that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, their opponents uh, today with Southampton um, just, just stayed up. And we won't take too long on them, but... They used to be such a well-run club, used to appoint managers that played, I'm not going to say the Southampton way, but played decent football or tried to. They used to recruit really well. They used to bring through youth, youth products. What has happened to Southampton? Yeah, it's a club I know quite well, actually. I've been there a lot lately over the last three or four years. I've got family there. I've interviewed Ralph Kruger there a couple of times at St. Mary's. I think they're the classic case of a team that have tried to kick on again. And I think... For me, it's that recruitment level of when you talk about finding those players between, say, 10 to 30 million pounds, you can really either hit it or you can really miss it. Mm, and yeah. I think that's the problem. They've, they've missed a lot of those signings. Mm. Obviously, Van Dyke was a massive problem. They never replaced him anyway. You could argue that Hoyt's been an average player when they've come in. And I think he, on the ball, he looks good. But their acquisitions of, of some players have been a disaster. They can't find a goal scorer. Um, I think they won seven games. Went one, they won one game in six months, mm-hmm. and that was against West Brom. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's been a, a, a terrible year, but they've survived. Now they've got to find a true leader because they haven't replaced one since Koeman because the last two managers have been a disaster, and that's not including Hughes, who, who I don't know whether it will be the, be the, be could, the manager. Could they bring Koeman back, you think? Like, well, he's just a... Oh, true, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Oh, I, I, don't, of time. I don't think he'll go there, but yeah, I do true. think that they've got to find somebody and they've got, you know, they always, they always told me when I was there, you know, they've got the special room with all these analytics and no one's allowed in there with the scouting system they've got. And mm. it's just so far they've got, a, you know, Les Reed and, and Kruger right from the very top. They've got, to, they've got to look at that again and see where they can go because I think what you'll learn from this year is that you look at the three teams that went down, they all follow the similar pattern. Yeah. Massive Premier League survival for the last decade and many mm-hmm. of it's 10 years, 8 years, 7 years, and then eventually. You spend, 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 spend. Your fan base gets stale and bored of mid-table security. Let's do more, more, more. And mm-hmm. then you push it and then you end up going down to the mm-hmm. championship with a massive wage bill. Yeah. So it sounds like things are precarious at Southampton. But I actually think if you're Southampton right now, you'd be celebrating because you have a second shot at life almost. You, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've been selling a lot of players. You've been generating so much revenue. You stayed in the premiership despite selling your biggest asset this season, which is Virgil van Dijk. Yes. And next season, you have the whole summer to rebuild your squad. So there's a lot of opportunity ahead. So I expect them to be maybe like more closer to mid-table next season. There's not a lot of difference between that, though. That's the yeah. thing these days. Yeah. You know, it's the, like three or four points. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm, personally, I was glad they, they stayed up. It, mm. It's good Same. to know. Oh, yeah, you wanted, mm. a, you wanted a fire sale. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like clubs who are, who are good, <laughs> and then they're, they fall off a cliff so you can pick off their assets. So that's, that's <laughs> you can pick them off? or Well, the manager of my club can pick oh, them off. Right. Yeah, well, was, they never, ever do. It was, it was Bertrand you wanted, right? 
I, th- I think United. he's a good player. He is. I just, I just, I just You're a Man United fan, right? Yeah. How did it go last time you bought a left back from Southampton? Oy. We bought the worst Southampton player ever. That's not no, true. No, I know, just well, in, in he, hindsight. I, you bought Francis Bernali? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was in the, have, you, have you ever seen the, the Twitter account Bernali on tour? No. So, uh, my partner and I just... Yeah. I was in uh, New Orleans recently and okay. I went to the bathroom in this jazz venue <laughs> and there's this like Premier League sticker of wow. Francis Bernali. <laughs> With and they've added like Twitter account Bernali on tour, so Fantastic. so I took a picture of it, tweeted them. They oh, love right. it. They've, they've got pictures from all over the world. It's yeah, Francis Bernali. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. so good. All right, um, Newcastle three, Chelsea nil. Uh, let's do Newcastle quickly. Rafa Benitez obviously has done an unbelievable job with what is ostensibly a, ch- a championship level squad. Um, is he is he gonna stay there or is he sick of Mike Ashley's shit? Yeah, great question. <laughs> Great question. I hope that he stays. We talked about, we did our awards on the show after the game and, and Pep Guardiola is clearly the manager of the year but if it wasn't Pep Guardiola it would be Rafa Benitez for me. I, I think that's fair. Because yeah. of what he's done as a true manager, the amount of you know garbage and he's had to deal with at that football club week in, week out when they're not playing it was almost like a reprieve to him. You just want to get on the touchline and, and enjoy the game for, for the week because he had to deal with all the nonsense with ownership. So, He's, I've got nothing but admiration for what he's done at that club as you mentioned Alex I think you hit the nail on the head it's a championship level squad how many of those players would you say that are ever going to be bought by a team above Newcastle and go yeah we want him there isn't anybody there's not one so um, that's for me I hope that he stays there but if Newcastle lose him then it, it, they could get more, be even more precarious oh I think they yeah. lose him they're relegation candidates mm-hmm. yeah immediately sure. but he was so brave taking that job in the first place because I know he was fired by Madrid but then to go from Madrid to Newcastle that's not where people would expect you to go and do that type of job and then stay with them when they got relegated in the championship and then come back I, I just have so much admiration for this guy yeah so. he's a football romantic though, I, I'll have to out- agree with everyone here Finally. even though <laughs> I've been very hard on Rafa Benitez in the past more out of spite than anything because everyone else <laughs> likes him <laughs> but he's had to deal with some shit as you said uh, he's you a know. polarizing character though not, he's not yeah. everybody's cup of tea you're yeah. right no. but yeah no he's great because he dealt with Chelsea's board Madrid's board and now he's at Newcastle doing, you know, <laughs> well Chelsea's management. board and their fans yeah, which was I mean yeah. that was brutal mm-hmm. was booing him while winning the, the Europa League <laughs> anyway yeah. Yeah. Um, Chelsea meanwhile I mean that's a perfect segue um, have finished fifth uh, what a weird season I mean they were, they won the league last year they were brilliant and then they almost, it almost looked like they deliberately made their squad worse <laughs> it was a bizarre summer yes. um, some of the recruitment has been Weird to say the least. Conte hasn't been happy from minute one this season. He was clearly not happy with the players they bought last season. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, where, where did Chelsea go from here? I mean, if we look at the history of Chelsea, they probably win the league next season. Yeah, That's exactly. what they do, right? But it's, yeah, it's been bizarre. The biggest boom and bust club in the Premier League. Yeah, in the last four seasons, they've been all over the place. But they had 93 points last season, which is actually the second highest number of points if you don't include this season. Right. So, what happened? I mean, they were 10th first, and then they were 10th again, 5th, and then 1st. Like, they're all over the map. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you talk about it, Alex, was there the, the sale of Diego Costa and Nemanja Matic, you know, just to allow those players to leave. Then it was clear that Conte and Costa didn't get along. Mm-hmm. It was clear that if you're going to allow, allow a player to like that to move on, that that was almost like a power move for Conte to stay. But then... He eventually did get his contract extension, but it was only given until 2019, which was clearly a sign from Chelsea going, well, yeah, you can have the keys, but it's a one-year lease, yeah. you know? And at that point, like, so then they let Costa leave, despite that, if you're a Chelsea fan now, and you, if you wake up in the morning and Antonio Conte's left, you're like, oh, well, we got rid of Costa because of him, and now he's left? Because say what you want about Costa, and of course, he's obviously a difficult character inside the dressing room, mm. but... He set the standard every week on the field. Yeah. Hard he worked defensively. Absolutely. Everybody else followed him. The spine of the team was so organized with Kante and Matic. And then Luis was great last year. And obviously that's been a problem this year. Mm. Courtois, one of my favorite goalkeepers in the world, has had a dip this year. But that's because I think some of the players in front of him have genuinely let him down. Mm-hmm. So it's a difficult team to analyze. And as you said, you know, they might win it again next yeah. year. So. No, no, no. <laughs> Rochet said something that just... <clears throat> bothered me ever since he said it <laughs> but in a good way so you said they had 93 points that, yeah and this city team who 
people are saying could be the, one of the best teams in Premier League history with 98-99, Invincibles, all that. And they were seven points less sure. than this team that is one of the greatest ever. That shows, one, how sensational they were last year and the huge fall from grace that we've seen this year. It's quite unbelievable. Yeah, well, last year they won 15 games in a row. Yeah, and after a 3 0 loss at Arsenal. And it was yeah. all about the tactics and all about the switch and the change. That's what, the, when they went, yeah. when they lost three goals in the first half at Arsenal, they made the formation change at half time. They went on that mad run and they didn't, they, they, they literally hardly conceded a goal from open play in six months. Mm-hmm. So that, that was how they went about winning the league. And that was, it was all about defensive structure. And dropping John Terry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, so that was the thing. And so then now their defensive structure has been a mess. Obviously Christensen, I think, looks like a player that could play there going forward. Yeah. But it was in his first year and made mistakes. Cahill has dropped down a lot. Luis was injured a lot. They took away Matic. They took away Costa, who was a massive part of their defensive game. They played game. Bakayoko. They played Bakayoko. They signed Bakayoko. <laughs> which has been a disaster yeah. like an absolute disaster they signed Bakayoko they make this amazing chant in the crowd about Timmy Bakayoko never giving the ball away and then suddenly he gives the ball away every game <laughs> and so they can't sing the chant anymore and so it's all gone off it's, the fans are not happy um, and for some reason they thought it was a good idea to play Cesc Fabregas in a two midfield which has been a disaster So, yeah. but we were just discussing how Kante wants to be sacked yeah, I it does feel. That it way. does feel. Yeah. That you way. want the money? I would. I would do the same thing if not. I would want the payoff from from being sacked. Well, That's especially what he wants. If yeah. he looks back at the other Chelsea managers, they all get sacked, yeah. so they get the payoff. He's like, I'm not going to be the one that doesn't get the payoff. <laughs> like Villas Boas is off doing the Paris Dakar rally with that money. Like, forget it. And and he did say when he came in that he had long discussions with Carlo Ancelotti about what it was like to manage Chelsea. So it almost feels like that he's gone. You know, and I. I, I'm quite disappointed in watching the fall from grace for Antonio Conte because he was always that man who just you could feel like just you want to play for him. He just he exudes confidence, mm-hmm. and you, you know, and then this year he's become like a shell of his former self. And he's yeah. like like you said, he just doesn't care. Like he showed up to the game today like a like a homeless person, <laughs> he hasn't shaved for weeks and wearing his tracksuit. It looked like Mourinho did that day yeah. the Denver Bar game. So it's 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 been a massive turnaround and maybe it's the middle finger up to Chelsea going well I know you're going to sack me anyway so I'm just not going to care yeah. but they've got yeah. an FA Cup final to play for they, yeah. they played this game honestly it was one of the worst performances I've seen from Chelsea in recent memory yeah. they were awful I, I'm almost not I don't think I'm going to watch the FA Cup final I'm not sure I can take it it's going to be awful Yeah. Like that, this United side and this Chelsea t- I don't know um, but, but mm. quickly before we leave this where if Conte does get sacked or leaves by mutual consent, whatever it may be, where do you see him ending up next season? If I, anyway? I because, see him taking a one-year sabbatical because okay. if you look at him right now, he's completely destroyed. <laughs> he's not himself. He needs time. Well, I, that's fair, but okay. Moving past the sabbatical, okay, because PSG got Tuchel. Although I'm not convinced that that will work out, um, but let's say that's happening for mm-hmm. the, at least the next year. Inter seem pretty happy with Spalletti at the moment. Roma don't need a manager Juventus at the moment don't need a manager although perhaps if Allegri ends up at Arsenal Conte could mm. go back but I don't know there, there aren't that many options there isn't a lot of options I'm not sure he's really convinced that he wants to go back to Italy either mm. so it's almost like been there done that conquered that what do I want to go there for unless it's another payday to a massive team like Inter or Milan eventually that needs to get revitalised but I don't know. I personally, I think it'd be hilarious if he had a shower, just went around the block, and was my Arsenal manager. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be tremendous. Yeah. You know? And all that with a shave showed up as a different yeah. idea. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like the Antonio Conte of last year instead of this year. And then Chelsea. Were that like, would be great for Arsenal. Bring, bring David Luiz with it. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Why not? So, so there could be a chance that a lot of vacancies open for national teams. After the World Cup. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's Although, available now, but Mancini... He's so restless that I don't think that would suit him. I agree. I think that the, it's almost like an, the international manager's game is almost for the old or for the recycled club manager that's had enough. You know, yeah. I feel like, like at Southgate. Yeah, well, <laughs> Southgate, Southgate never did anything in the club management. <laughs> no. So, yeah. you, know, it, that, you know, it's no longer prove yourself in the club management to get this great job in international. It's the same with Lopetegui with Spain. Like, they fail and then they Lucky get an opportunity. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Fair enough. All right, uh, let's take a quick break and do a little quiz, and then we'll we'll cover the rest of the Premier League. Yep. Welcome to the Quizzy Promise. Very good. And and donated by our guest today. So this week, (laughs) we have three participants. Alex, please tell us what your buzzer is. And Bernie. And KJ. 
Very good, very good. So we have three questions, a couple of bonuses as well. So, um, yeah, here we go. Question number one. This season in the EPL, all three promoted teams stayed up. What was the last season this happened? KJ. 2011-12? Bingo. Wow. wow. <laughs> who, who, who was it? Is that the bonus? That's not a bonus. <laughs> Wig- Wigan? Clue Master has no idea. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> That's not part of the question. All right, fair enough. So we're going to move to question number two now. Um, so, we had a goals record this season for Man City. Mm-hmm. What season was it when Chelsea previously broke that goals record? That was easy. Bernie. 2010-2011. Wrong. KJ. 9-10. Got it. That was Carlo, right? Ancelotti. Uh, it was. That was a bonus question. Who was the manager? And yeah. other bonus, how many goals did they score that season? 100 102. Wrong. 98. Wrong. All right. Well, just tell us. It was 103. <laughs> okay. We were close. Oh, I think I actually mentioned it earlier. I do remember <laughs> a lot of 4 or 5 nils that season. Uh, very good. So KJ is kicking your bums. Oh, obviously, yeah. Um, question number three. Arsenal had a very dismal season yes. this season, but what was their previous lowest league position that em- they finished in? Em- in the Premier League. In the Premier League. Alex. 12th. That is correct. Well, yeah. good. Nice. I got nothing. Go on. Oh. Yeah. That's, not, that's not one of those things that you want to know, you know, just. Hey, I got more solid calling you, so it's For sure. <laughs> Christian, congratulations on that on that uh, convincing quiz victory. That wasn't convincing, wasn't it? Was it two one? Yeah, it was two yeah. one, but you yeah. defeated two people. Well, oh, you, okay. Usually, and usually we split the points pretty evenly. So you know. That's, uh, anyway, um, uh, another okay. Let's call it an unconvincing victory then, yeah, and we'll segue go. to Arsenal, That's who uh, who beat Huddersfield one nil. Uh, awful game, and Arsenal were, were bad, but scored a beautiful goal. Uh, so, pretty fitting tribute to Wenger on his last day, I suppose. Um, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I, obviously when it was announced that Arsenal Wenger was leaving, I was somewhat sad, somewhat emotional. But I think, and I was discussing this with a friend yesterday, it's been so bad for so long now that I'm absolutely ready for this to happen. I'm kind of, I'm more excited than I am anything else. I think you should be excited. I think, I mean, with Wenger... There's a lot to be admired about. I understand why there's a lot of Arsenal fans that have found it very difficult to get that disconnection. I mean, loyalty is a great trait to have in life as it is. So I, I could always see that people wanted to be loyal to him. And it's nice to always have that. You always dream to have that team that means so much to you to be in the hands of someone who it means as much to them. And you don't always get that in sports, mm-hmm. whether it's for players who are playing or the guys managing the team. You just think, okay, yeah, he's going to come and go, but I'm going to still be here when he's managing another team, you know, or playing for another team. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean as much. And Arsenal have had that for two decades and more, plus 22 years. It's very special to have that. But look, without somebody who's got a connection to the club, unlike you, Alex, I can understand why when you put the common sense, rational head on that, look, you know what? I think you look at the team and you think of what other managers are doing. There was a significant, I think, underachievement over the last few years. 100%. Um, look, long gone are the Arsenal days where they were a force. So it'd be good to see a rivalry once again. <laughs> yeah, that With Arsenal nice. and anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Other than Especially Burnley. Bayern Munich. I, I, <laughs> I, I agree. I, it's, it's, my, my dad is, was Wenger in longer mm. than most people. And I used to tell him, five years ago, you need to get rid of this man. If not, nothing will happen. And he was very sad and very emotional. My dad's an Arsenal fan, so we fight all the time. But he was very emotional and very and I, I didn't get it. I just looked at him like, you've been trash for 10 years. Why are you sad? But And your dad hasn't been able to watch games for years. No, he either. can't, because Arsenal frustrates him more than anything else in life. More than I did, even. So <laughs> he really does not watch Arsenal games because the emotion in him, it's just it hurts too much. So for me, I thought oh, everyone would be just jumping up and down. But I, I, I guess I do get it. Yeah, I mean the problem is we 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 love Arsene Wenger as a human being, and I don't. Arsenal will will probably never have a manager with as much quality as a as a human being mm-hmm. than Arsene Wenger. But, Great point. But and so that's probably why it's hard to disconnect. You know, if it was someone like Mark Hughes, <laughs> no, no one would care. But um, we're celebrating. But so, but let's 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 do the fun thing and speculate about who might take over. So Mohamed and I are, are very uh, very much in the Allegri camp, if it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like Arteta or Vieira are more likely. I, I'm okay. My question is: I think Allegri would be the best candidate. First off, like I agree with you guys, and that that would be awesome. 
I just don't understand why you go from Allegri to Arteta. Like, <laughs> yeah. the middle is Luis Enrique, Carlo Ancelotti, Conte, like you said, if he has a shower. Yeah. Like, why are we going from Allegri to not just um, Arteta, Buvach, and Rui Farah's name was mentioned like ever so. Get out. Right? <laughs> like, like, why? why are we having this conversation? It's like, like, why? It's basically anybody who's available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's leaving a job? Uh, yeah, we'll line him up, line him up for our job. Um, so I have a theory about this. I mean, it's not particularly, you know, controversial or unique and Christian, we'll see what you think. But I think the Arsenal board want to unite the fans after, you know, a long period of, of somewhat embarrassing division. And so... You can do that two ways. One is with someone like Allegri who no one can argue with, mm-hmm. right? Proven winner, everyone will be behind him. Or with someone that has been at the club before who the fans will give some leeway to. I don't think that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, it's not sensible to give someone with no experience a job like Arteta or someone with limited experience in Vieira. Although I think Vieira has shown some promise. Um, but the people in the middle can still be divisive. Yeah, I get that. I think that the, obviously, the Vieira and Arteta connections are because of they're part of the former Arsenal family. You know, I don't yeah. think that they'd be connected if they didn't play for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. You know, so certainly Patrick Vieira wouldn't be. Whether you think he's show promise or not, he continues to get battered in big games in yeah. MLS. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you if you if you hire an MLS manager and ten games into the season next year, you know you've lost five of them. Then all of a sudden you you could be firing a man, you could be in David Moyes Man, man United territory, <laughs> yes. which is a disaster. Yeah. So you cannot get there. There's no excuses now. They've known about Wenger leaving for a, a number of months. Um, I think they saw on the right on the on on you know it was right there. As soon as they even handed him the extension, the two year extension, they knew. I think everybody knew at that point that he's not going to last two years. Mm-hmm. So when you hand him the two year extension, they saw what happened in the in the last year of his his last contract. We couldn't allow him to get into the last year again because it would have been a complete toxic environment. So they've had, a, my point being this, they've had a number of months, if not a year, to plan for this appointment. So you've got to get it right. Mm, That's the key. And that, that actually, it's something that I can't even imagine. Like, who's going to replace him is an argument that, you know, is going to stimulate everyone's imagination. But whoever comes in, this is a team in transition. They've had a, the same manager for 20 years. You know, Ferguson was at United for 26. So if we look at the transition over there, we had a disaster with Moyes. We had Van Hal for a year or two years. And then we have Mourinho, and we're still not kind of, you know, there where we want to be. Mm-hmm. But now Arsenal are in that same period where they're going to transition managers. So I can't picture a smooth transition. I, I can't. I can't. I, it depends who you get. I, I think it is a precarious situation. The, the only similarity with those two situations is the manager with 20 plus years leaving. You have one that won the league with a team that was good enough to win the league and was brought down by a guy who didn't know what he was doing. Now, if you're Arsenal, you're sixth. I think, right? Sixth this yeah. season? Yeah. And your fifth last season? If they bring in any of those guys that you mentioned before whose name is not Vieira and or Arteta, they will probably do better than that. So Arsenal should see this as a building block to the future, but don't put too much pressure on the situation so that you can do that. But that does not mean you go and hire a Buvach, a Vieira, or Arteta. No, you need a steady hand to see you through the next three, four years. Because that's probably what it's going to take. Yeah, I agree with everything there. I think that it's a more positive environment to take over than it was per Sir Alex Ferguson. I think that at that point, you know, Ferguson won and then left. And it was almost like there was no, you know, succession plan. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal have no excuse for that. But what they have to do now is they need to find the next manager that... What Wenger has lived on over the last decade is the benefit of doubt factor. So he's been given the benefit of doubt because of what he accomplished prior to the last 10 years, which hasn't been anywhere near good enough. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt factor as much as that, but the next man is going to need the benefit of the doubt factor. He's going to need the resume. He's going to need the trophies. So they're going to go, well, hang on a minute. He's had a bad two months. It's okay. He's done it. Because if you get somebody who hasn't done it and then suddenly slides again, and everyone's going to be like, well, let's get him out. And then you become exactly the team that everybody else Arsenal fans have been laughing at over the last 22 years, yeah. apart from Man United, saying you just become a, a, a culture of a sacking club. Yeah. They want to get the next man who's not going to stay there for 20 years, but maybe five years or six years to build on again going forward. Even that's a long time in the business. Yeah. 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 I, I just want to pose this perspective. What, what years did George Graham, I think in 89, and what year did he win the, the, prim, the first division? 89 was when they scored the last goal, the, the Mitchell yeah. Thomas goal, right. the Michael and, Thomas goal. Well, he won two. Yes. Right? And then there was a four or five year period where Arsenal were drab for all intents and purposes. Then Arsene Wenger came in. It's not, it's similar in that Arsenal have come from a high point to 10 years of dross 
and now they're fifth, sixth, and then moving back. I see similarities in that, where they brought Arsene Wenger on, and then they, they yeah. send it back. I think they can still do that with the right appointment, but For it, sure. it has to take time. My concern is that Gazidis has been vocal in saying that we want to carry on in the Wenger era, which is this fantasy football yeah. experience that everybody wants to see. That you know, Look, people care about winning. Yeah. Okay, you got to figure out how to win. You know, this this notion that we want to play this kind of attractive brand football so that suddenly should rule out someone like, not that he's available, but someone like Diego Simeone, for example, is nonsense. If he's available, you call him up and you get him in and you pay whatever you can because he's he, he punches above his weight. And that's the kind of... I don't care if Arsenal get back to winning 1-0 every week like yeah. they used to win oh, George Graham. Mm-hmm. Arsenal Absolutely fans will snap your hand off right now because they know that that is the best way because they won't spend as much money as the big Goliath of mm. the Premier League. The best way is to make sure that you're defensively difficult to break down and go out there and have a Bamiyang up front scoring as many goals as you will. Because mm. the guy can score you 25, 30 Premier League goals a year. Yeah. I, will, I will gladly go back to watching counter-attacking football. I would love to see counter-attacking football. Yeah, with the players we have, it, it would make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, you got to you have a defence that yeah. doesn't include Mustafi. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I could play in that defence. And, and, and actually, Bernie is a very good centre-back. You can step in. Well, Rob, Rob Holding will probably appear on your <laughs> podcast <laughs> Yeah. Next week, he's just been given an extension. <laughs> Probably would. Yeah. Um, no, it, it will be fascinating to watch. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, it has to be in the next couple of weeks because then we're into World Cup territory. Got to be. I, I mean, it might be. What are they waiting for? <laughs> some some World Cup managers to get sacked. You know. Wait, no, they, you, you, they need they need the, they need to they need to have known who the manager was before they announced Wenger was leaving. For me, yeah. could be Roberto Martinez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> Alex was having a reasonable day before you suggested that name. <laughs> he, 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 just, like, he just threw up in his well, mouth. Now, <laughs> now it could be anyone. Pardew, he's, he's free. Um, all right, let, let's move on. Um, Manchester United. Speaking of Rui Faria, Manchester United. Um, 1-0 today against Watford uh, typifies the season rubbish performance 1-0 win no one's happy what, you know re- thoughts reflections on this season of misery despite finishing second firstly on, on this game the, the only good thing I have to say is that the, the goal that they scored came, began with a Michael Carrick pass with the lovely weighted ball from Michael Carrick and this is what Manchester United have been missing for years that deep-lying playmaker that can spray the passes, dictate the play. This is what we need to replace. I don't. I love Serge Milinkovic-Savic. That's not what we need right now. We need a Tony Cruz, someone like that, who can actually dictate play and move the ball around. That's what we've been missing. And that I'm glad that on his final game, he was able to have a massive con- uh, contribution. And I hope that it lives long in the memory because that's what I want to see right. moving forward. At least that little microcosm, I want to see that. Interesting. It's it's hard to hold on to that hope of you know what you want to see in the past coming back in the future, mm-hmm. like you know Paul Scholes esque deep line you know a ball right to left, but I just I, I I'm gonna lower my expectations for United moving forward. I think they're <laughs> gonna play ugly Mourinho football next season. It's not gonna be any different, but we're gonna finish either first or second. I was gonna say if if City hadn't had this great year, the Premier League's first divisions have been won with this points total in the past. Mm-hmm. If you'd have won this league playing this way, would you be as down? No. Right. So you only didn't win the league because Man City were brilliant. Yes, like, no. you, you've accomplished enough in over the last few years. Like you, you were dismal for four years. So yeah, I mean, I, under, it's, I understand it's a positive, that. You, yes. I understand where you're coming from. Trust me. I'm just asking the question because because the problem with Mourinho is, which is why he didn't get the job in the first place when David Moyes was appointed. Mm-hmm. So I went to the game when David Moyes played. Mourinho's Chelsea mm-hmm. at Old Trafford the first year of David Moyes the only year of David Moyes and it ended 0-0 of mm-hmm. course and Man United fans taunted Jose Mourinho on the touchline that day saying you wanted the job mm-hmm. so <laughs> now they, he's got that job mm-hmm. the reason why he wasn't given that job was because United have always been synonymous with entertaining football mm-hmm. okay Manchester United play fo- you know, fo- foreign football and also the manager there was you know, Bobby Charlton the Manchester United board they were scared that Mourinho was going to make the brand of Manchester United be harmed mm. because of his antics mm-hmm. so but now he's there the, the, he's slowed down a little bit I think next year we're going to see a Mourinho again to the mm-hmm. forefront with some of his antics again mm-hmm. but he has brought you back to a level of, yes. uh, of an area of, obviously the Champions League exit was bad but at least uh-huh. you've got back to some kind of relevance I agree If and I was looking at some stats yesterday the number of points improvement dramatic improvement actually number of goals goals conceded all these things if you look at them statistically there are major major plus points which is also why I do not believe that Liverpool finish above Manchester United next season I think Liverpool to me are still a little bit inconsistent where United are more consistent if you look at the performances they put out which is also drab 
But the fact of the matter is, what irritates me about Jose Mourinho and Match Night is there is a they won a lot of big games this year. I give him that. But there has been a lack of bravery, which I don't understand. For example, Sevilla. Why? Why? Yeah. There's no yeah. need for that. And before these wins against City, Spurs, and FA Cup, All the you looked picks. at it and you went, you know you had to find everyone into the game feeling, we're going to go for this. Or we're going to try and win. And that is that is not synonymous with my experience as even on the Van Hal. You felt that we're going to go for Liverpool today. Even if we're going to pass the, the hell out of them, we're going to yeah. go for it. And that it makes it not fun to watch. Yeah, especially like watching a game at Old Trafford when City are coming and visiting. And you know we're just going to get battered at home. But they're miles better than you. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, yeah. But this is the point, is that you've got to, as a fan base, but also as a manager, you have to evaluate your talent better than anybody else. And I think Mourinho looked at that squad and said, well, I know what he said when the first time he went there. He said, I'm not going to hide behind words. I'm not going to say we're going to go for fourth. We're going to go for the league, and that's what we do. That's what his first press conference was. You go mm-hmm. back and watch his first press conference. Bullish, aggressive, arrogant, winning mentality compared to what his press conferences have been in the last two years. He's gone away from that so quickly because he looks at the squad and goes, we are bang average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we open up, we're going to get beat. And that's what he, he, he has looked at that team and said, Smalling, mediocre defender. You know, Lingard, okay, I'll try and get the best out of him by working really hard. Rashford, extremely overrated, got some promise. We've got no quality here. Let's go get Pogba. Let's go get Sanchez. Baye, he can, he, we'll work on him. Lindelof, we'll see how he goes. They haven't got, they've got the best goalkeeper, arguably, in the world. Mm-hmm. Other than that, Pogba, you could argue, Sanchez now. But before that, when he took over, no, legitimately, no world-class players. I, I'd agree yeah. with you, except for only one, one, one thing. And maybe some people say that this is actually better analysis for the whole season. If I look at Liverpool and I look at the way they went after Man City, the Manchester United team with the players they have, if you get rid of maybe not Lukaku necessarily, but if you go Martial, who is a fantastic young player, maybe Sanchez, If you, I don't rate him right now the way he's been playing, but overall, yes. They could have gone, the way they went after City in the, in the, in the um, second half of that game, mm. why can't you do that more consistently? There is no reason with the, num- with the players that they have that they couldn't, Liverpool squad is not as good as Manchester United squad. With Ox playing in the middle, with Henderson being the right there, Oxlade Chamberlain is not as good. He is as good as Lingard, and Lingard so, plays oh, a lot. Oh, I think he's as good as Lingard, absolutely. So, Matic, in terms of depth, though, I think. No, no, I think overall, that squad is a better squad. So he could have gone for more games and just gone for the. But he doesn't have a front times. three like Liverpool do. No, but I think he has a good front three. Well, Martial, I don't think they're going to play United again. No, and that's because of Mourinho. That would well, be tragic. No, that I really would be tragic. I don't think it. I don't think it is tragic. I don't think he's that good. Ooh. I don't know. Clip this bit. But Clip it. No, no, no. We'll <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, like, honestly, you've got to be able to have the mentality to play for Manchester United. And I don't see the mentality of a big game winning player. I don't see it. And that's for me. You know, he may move on. Where's he going to go? Is Real Madrid going to go, yeah, we want him? No. He's not a Real Madrid player. Juventus. Right? So, Juventus okay, Juventus. He'll go to Juventus and he'll be, he'll be good. Because it's Juventus and the, the, they dominate most teams every week, and you don't mm-hmm. play big games every week. Mm-hmm. So, and he, and he might be good, but mentally, is he the right player for your football club? I think when you're coming in as a 19, 20 year old and did what he did in his first season, and even what he did in this season up until Alexis Sanchez came in, his form was spectacular. He was the if you look at the goals and he worked he harder, had, and he was tracking ahead of where he was and other players the same age. And then Alexis Sanchez comes in, and it goes, now I agree in the mentality, you should fight for your place and prove that you're better than Alexis, but Alexis didn't prove that he was better than Marcia. But Mourinho publicly called him out and said he wasn't a good trainer and he needed to work harder. Once he got to that point, he's not going to lie, is he? Oh, he didn't yeah. play in the squad today. He showed up earlier. Apparently, he showed up and got his car and drove away. Apparently, it could be done. So. They say he's injured. <clears throat> so the official. But really, there's probably something else going on. There, there may be issues with, with, with attitude or training, possibly. Although what I would also say is, and you're right that players need a mentality to play for a club like United, but there's also a mentality to play for a club like United and a mentality to play for Jose Mourinho, which we've seen on numerous occasions, especially with young attacking players, are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Jose Mourinho has a, a very certain set of expectations that don't fit everyone. He bought Henrik Mkhitaryan. That was his choice to buy. Mm-hmm. And within weeks, it was clear that that wasn't going to work. Yeah. Some players just don't fit with him. And I think this might might just be one of those cases. But no. I, I wouldn't write Marshall off at the elite level because of the relationship with Mourinho necessarily. Yeah, that's a good point. But I wanna, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring up Mourinho's mentality. I think we were looking at some stats, Bernie and I, mm. and over the seasons when Mourinho won 
the goals scored for that team was always in the early 70s, you know, goals for. And the goals against were always like the mid-20s, maybe 15 in that one year where they won with 95 points. So he's been pretty consistent this year with, I think we had 70 goals in the league this year, or 68, and we conceded 28 goals in the league. So mm-hmm. it's kind of exactly what Mourinho wants. It's stuffy. It's like there's, cagey there's football. one problem with that is he's bought Lindelof. He's bought Bailly. He didn't do anything, I think, with the fullbacks at all. The United's defensive numbers are, have nothing to do with the strength of the defense. Nothing. David it's the strength of David De Gea. Because you look at the XG numbers and you look at the shots that he has saved, he's gotten better. The defense has gotten worse. And that is not, that doesn't show me that Jose Mourinho is actually improving this team like defensively in and of itself it doesn't show me that at all yeah good point okay so predictions for next season second second yeah ish yeah depends on the transfer window I mean if some good players come in we'd be a lot more optimistic oh you'll buy I hopefully fullbacks anyway we'll see KJ second I think they could win it Ooh, we'll see. Big shout. Whoa. So you're a United fan, KJ? <laughs> no. Whoa. I'm All just right. saying, they're, they're, they're within right. the discussion between Liverpool and, and Man City to go on and win the Premier League. Sorry. You continue to defend and, and stop goals the way they're doing, and they're one of the best goalkeepers. You've got to sort out your attack, go forward. Sanchez rested finally for the first time in a, in a summer that's for seven true. years. That's true. We'll see. What about Man City, though? Well, well, that's what I said. I said earlier about Man City. I just yeah. felt like they've got to go by again. But it's very difficult. I think it's nine years since the team prem- defended in the Premier League. It's very difficult to maintain so you, that sustainable excellence at the top level. So you see a three-horse race? Like an actual well, like, title well, challenge I, of three teams? Or? Well, I, I mean, who knows? Like we said, it depends if what Chelsea do with, with, with Conte. Also, it could be four. Yeah. <laughs> or Arsenal, you know. Yeah. To, to, to be fair to, to KJ, one thing you can't underestimate is the effect, the positive effect that Marion Fellaini leaving might have <laughs> on this United um, team. So. They just, uh, there were a lot of rumours saying that he may actually sign that thing. Five-year uh, contract. If, if he's sensible, he will sign anything they put in front of him. <laughs> anyway, um, let, let's finish off the Premier League. Um, the best game of this weekend, Tottenham 5, Leicester 4. Well, if you like proper defending, this is not the best game, but if you like, you know... That's a ridiculous game. An open shambles of, of entertainment, <laughs> this was it. They just, like... Abandoned defending entirely. It was a lot of fun. Did you? Did we watching this? I saw the goals, but yeah. we were doing other games at TSN. It reminded me of that bizarre West Brom Man United game yeah. a few years ago. Oh, yeah. It was also, I think, it was five five. Yeah. It was on the last day of the season as well. Mm. I think Lukaku played for West Brom. He that scored day. a hat trick. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. So it, sometimes you just get these bizarre scores at the end of the year when obviously teams no longer care and Tottenham didn't have a lot to play for because the oh. top four get in the Champions League automatically anyway and they already confirmed know, right yeah for the game and uh, Leicester uh, you know who knows what's going on with, with Claude Boo <laughs> yeah. so can, can I ask how do you feel about him because Southampton last season I think they were eighth yep trap football apparently and yeah. they sacked him and then this whole emotional roller coaster. rumours that he's going to be sacked at Leicester and they're eighth again uh, do you rate him or no? I got a lot of time for what he, he, he does in terms of the defensive aspects. The problem is with both those examples you used, they're exactly the same as that he comes in, makes a difference, and then uninspired football after that, and they just go on a long run for four or five months, and then the season ends in like unsavory fashion that doesn't sit well with the fan base or the team. So mm. it's I, I was asked about TSN, do I think he'll survive? I think he will, just only because of the ownership group at Leicester is for the majority of the time they're pretty organized and they don't necessarily want to be this chopping changing but you know would it be surprised me if he left no but like my goodness line them up Everton West Ham Southampton yeah. you know like this is, there's going to be a number of jobs open so, <laughs> yeah. so I was just going to say yeah. I could see I could see an Allardyce Puel job swap at some oh, point next goodness. season like halfway yeah. through next season well Marco so, yeah. Silva coming back potentially well with Ooh. any luck He's more interesting. Big fan of Marcos. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's Leicester. Spurs, uh, Christian, what do you think of the season Spurs have had? There's been statistically a bit of regression mm-hmm. compared to what they did last season, but I think the competition has been harder. Um, but there's been very obvious progress in the Champions League. Yeah, I think they've been great. You know, they played 38 games away from home. You know, like everyone was talking about Wembley at the start of the season. This is going to be a major problem for them. And in the end, that storyline evaporated very quickly. And they were able to to make it sure that there there was enough. You're bound to get a drop-off. I mean, last year, the previous year at YRL, they they went the whole year unbeaten. So you were never going to get that kind of, you know, winning record again at home. But I think it was a a really important year for them, again, in a very competitive Premier League to get in that top four to maintain that Champions League income, but also to continue to say to these players, look, we're now a, a, 
a full-fledged Champions League team done, you know, for Ericsson and all those players, mm. you don't need to leave us because we're, we're in the Champions League again. And, and, they, they, beat proved, and they beat teams and they've proven it when they mm. won a very difficult group. So. Do you see them in the title challenge? Uh, not at the moment, only because I'm really worried about what they're going to do in defence because it looks like Alderweireld's going to leave. Mm. So they did a decent job this year maintaining that that gap was, that it wasn't as big as a problem in that hole in the defence. But, you know, the Tottenham are always finding these players, Davinson Sanchez and, you know, go on. They've, they, they can, they're shopping in a certain area where they've got to find these players and turn them into gems and then make them more, mm-hmm. you know, more money, you know, and, and really the value over the the transfer fee is very difficult. So it'd be nice for them to go out there and boom, you know, that's why they've got Lucas Moura, for example, go out there and get the genuine already world-class player. Mm-hmm. Wow, he's gone to yeah. Tottenham. You know, that's that, that that would be nice if they were able to, to pull off something like that. But it's always going to be a challenge. But And everyone's waiting for that big win, that trophy win. But... It might not come, and I still don't think that should define the Pochettino era, which has been mm-hmm. was, was been absolutely brilliant. It's great. Fair enough. Uh, one more thing, I think they need to fix is I think the Serge Aurier experiment didn't didn't work. Yeah. I think even Kyle Walker Peters played was played the first game and last game of the season and was he's better. An, he's an absolute <laughs> nutter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I was quite optimistic about that signing, but no, same, absolutely not. Same hasn't, hasn't worked out. That's not been great. Just like was it three or four red cards? In this? Anyway. Um, all right, before we, before we end, uh, let's have a, a quick Champions League final prediction. Um, Christian, Liverpool have done amazingly well to get to the Champions League final, produced some incredible displays of attacking football. There will be a massive amount of space behind uh, Marcelo. <laughs> will that be enough to, to give them a victory? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, is the Marcelo-Salah matchup. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. We've done the Champions League three years in a row now for TSN, and it's been the Real Madrid era. You know, they're in the third final. They might win the third final in three years. Um, watching them, you just as an analyst, you just get perplexed because you're like they just keep getting it done, and they're not actually playing that well in so yeah. many big mm-hmm. games. But football can sometimes be about moments, and they find a way in moments, and they also have an era about them that's so uh, the, an era of invincibility. They believe in themselves even when they're not going, you know. And they've got winners, Ramos and Kroos and Modric and. For me, you know, I, I learned a long time ago not to write them off, so that, that that's why I think they're the favourites here. Even though, would it be surprised? Nothing should surprise you over one game anyway. If Liverpool went out there and did it, but it's it's going to be very difficult to I think to top the champions. So what's the score? Oh, I don't do I don't do score <laughs> I don't do score predictions, but that, I think Wise. that that's uh, okay. I, I think. I don't bet either, but I've heard people talking about, oh, bet the over, or bet both teams scoring, or it looks like it could be quite an, yeah. uh, an entertaining, high-scoring affair, it should which be, will probably mean so. it'll be nil-nil after 120 minutes, right? You'll be sorted. penalties. Yeah, Ronaldo will be able to take his shot off as when in the fifth goal again. 100% that's yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, it's difficult to bet against Real Madrid anyway these days, I think. I think the only sure thing is Salah and Ronaldo scoring. Yeah, I think that's fair. Roche, I know Liverpool victory would devastate you well uh, you know I, I think they they have a glow about them right now um, and it just looks like the chips are lining up for them to win Real Madrid are really start and stop you know this whole season has been like that and yeah. so I think that you know coming to that third final it might not be as glamorous as Liverpool coming to a final in such a miraculous fashion so I feel like Liverpool are going to pull this off okay you're, you're protecting yourself emotionally I understand yeah, yeah. in some ways in some ways yes but in some ways I feel like they do deserve it a little more than Madrid yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it, it it it's a fair assessment of that. I think Liverpool probably want it more. Well, actually, maybe not because Real Madrid had a poor La Liga season. Yeah. Maybe they want to end their season. I mean, they want to win it, but I, maybe the determination and that little bit more might be Liverpool's. But I think the Champions League experience will tell at the end of the day, and. Um, Real Madrid will win. Probably Ramos has another good game in a final, and that might be the difference. Because uh, anyway, you guys know how I feel about Sergio Ramos. But yep. when it comes to finals and winning things, he knows how to get it done. Fair. So, well said. If that's the case, four Champions Leagues in five years, unbelievable. Mental. And we still don't know if Zidane's any good. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we'll we'll leave it there. Hey, you're um, not getting away without saying what, what? you think. What about this final? Oh, Real Madrid win. Okay. Okay. Christian, you have uh, an event coming up at uh, Opera Bob. Yes, much similar to yours. Actually, you have an event coming up too. Yeah. Yeah. So do yours first. uh, June seventh, Thursday before the World Cup. Exactly one week before the World Cup. Um, 
just uh, spawn, uh, you know, great to, to be an advocate for the uh, Football for Good Academy in, in Uganda where a friend of mine, what I love about the academy is it's obviously soccer-based, it helps the kids and it, there's a Canadian connection there down there as well. Adrian Bradbury is working down there with his family so we know that when the, the money goes down there we know where it's going to and they're making a big difference in all age groups. We're now seeing graduates in the teenage group going towards some kind of European destination. So Amazing. we're getting together on that Thursday. Um, I'll tweet out some more details. It's basically $150 for a team of three. So it's like 50 bucks for a good night out. Mm. You come and you get a team and then you basically bid on World Cup players. And so we have um, a fantasy World Cup. And then if you want Ronaldo or you want Messi, you, you're going to get him if you want to spend the money. So you get <laughs> you get a, a $100 million budget to buy an 11 players, one goalkeeper, four defenders, three midfielders and three strikers. And then um, we'll have a tracking system during the World Cup where your team can go up against other teams. And I think the prize is around 500, 600 bucks. So, uh, and the rest of the money goes straight to, to Uganda. So we'll, hopefully we'll sell out all the 24 teams and we'll have a good night at Opera Pops. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. It does. So can, we do, can we do a team of four if we, if we have to? You can, of course, I'm not right. going to deny you. <laughs> we'll, we'll smuggle I'm, doing a team, I'm doing a team of one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. My Been pleasure. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And uh, where can where can if you are tweeting out details, where can people find you online? Um, just at Christian Jack K R I S T I A N J A C K. Wicked. Thank you very much. And uh, we haven't quite decided on our pod schedule for the rest of the summer, but I'm sure we'll be doing some World Cup stuff soon. So uh, oh, we'll just play this one back every week. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it was good enough. All right. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Yeah.